I was six years old, and I was sent on a mission to a deep, dark, and scary place. I was frightened. I didn't like the assignment, but I had to go. And so I descended deeper and deeper, step by step, into the darkness, into the bowels of this cavernous place, our basement. I made my way down those creaky stairs and my heart was pounding and the stairs were still okay because there was a little bit of light left on the stairs. But as I rounded the corner away from the stairs, I had to make my way to the room. That room that I didn't want to go into but the room where I had to go for my mission. I got to the doorway of that room and it was just utter blackness in the back. And what made it worse was going into that room was I started hearing a monster growling and roaring and grumbling, huffing and puffing. It was terrifying. And I couldn't just turn on the light because there was no switch there, but I had to make my way into that room to where I knew I could find security. And so I, I looked into that darkness and my heart was pounding. If I just lunged at the right time and didn't miss, I could reach up and reach that string that was hanging from that light in the middle of that laundry room. It was in that laundry room was where the furnace was also. And the furnace would rumble and roar and when you're sick, growl. And when you're six years old, that was scary. Because in the dark, you don't know what's there. You don't know what's lurking. And in that laundry room, we just had a single light on a string. And I don't know why they didn't put that string closer to the entry of that doorway. It was in the middle of that room. And I'd have to walk through the darkness just to get there. You see, the darkness is a scary place, isn't it? especially when you're a kid. The darkness is scary. When we tuck our kids in at night, one of my daughters always says, close the closet door, right? We don't know what's lurking there all day long under the light. Nobody ever says close the door, but in the darkness, things become scary. And as a kid, while the darkness sometimes is the reality of real darkness that's scary, and you want a nightlight and you want ways to help you, as we get older, the darkness sometimes looks different. The darkness becomes something that we sometimes feel inside. I know that there have been seasons in my own life where it's been dark and where you wonder, God, is your light ever going to shine in this? Are we ever going to get through this? How am I going to find my way? And I know that, that many of you here also struggle and challenge, are challenged with different things in your life. Maybe right now you're feeling a season of particular darkness. There's something in your life where you just, nobody knows. Nobody knows what's going on. Nobody knows what's happening in that place and, and yet you feel the way to that. Or maybe you're going through a season right now where, where it just seems like you're directionless or God's just not answering. I know some of these prayer requests that, that you write and, and, and the stories that you share or things that you pin on the cross, good things, yes, but also the difficult times in your life where you're wondering, how do I get through this season? Is it ever going to end? The pain, the hurt, the guilt, it's just been too much. And so as we, as we are looking in this darkness, we're talking about this series that we're in right now, which is called Jesus According to Jesus, where we're looking at things that Jesus said about himself so that we could understand him and know him. He wants to be known by us. And this week, we're going to look at the way that he revealed himself when he said these words. He said, I am the light of the world. Jesus didn't want to just leave us in darkness. He didn't want us just to be, be fumbling our way through. He wanted to bring us light. And he said, I am the light of the world. And these last several weeks, we've been looking at different statements by Jesus that, that help us understand him better, 
On Easter Sunday, we talked about the passage around the burial and death of, of Lazarus where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then last week, we looked at Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd and how he wants to guide and lead us. This week, we're going to look at this passage out of the book of John where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Because we all need that light in our darkness. When things just don't, are, aren't clear for us, when we can't seem to see the future, when there's fear that maybe grips us, and, and we just are looking for some hope, Jesus speaks these words into our lives. I am the light of the world. Let's pray and allow God to open up our hearts to his light this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for just this opportunity to be here to put ourselves in a place where we can hear your words and allow your spirit to speak into these dark places this morning. God, may your light just fill us and flood us with hope and life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to John chapter 8. And in John chapter 8 is where we find this verse where, where Jesus says to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness. Have you ever stumbled through the darkness? How many of you have young kids or remember having young kids in the house? They cry at night. They call you and all of a sudden in your and a half you know, sleep state and you're finding your way into their bedrooms you kind of have to walk kind of like a, like a minesweeper, you know, approaching the beaches of Normandy, right? I mean, you don't know what's there. You're like, you're trying to avoid what's going to happen. What are you going to step on? And if you're not careful, all of a sudden you take this step, and all of a sudden your foot is impaled by a princess crown, miniature princess crown. Ever done that? I mean, it's just like, it is so painful. You don't know what you step on, like a matchbox car or something, and, and, and you start stumbling. You step on that, you're jumping. Now you bounce into their dresser. They wake up. It's a disaster. We stumble in the darkness when we can't see. You know, since moving here to our new house, my wife and I were trying to set up our, our, our bedroom and trying to arrange the furniture, and it just, just haven't been able to quite kind of get it right in those first few weeks, and so we'd, we'd change it up. But what happens is when you change it up and you're, you're already in a new place, when you get up, you don't know where things are, right? What side of the room, what side of the bed am I on right now? And you get up and you turn the corner and then what happens, right? You're going in the dark, bam, right? Little toe, side of the dresser. Anyone can relate to that? We, you know, grown men will cry when they hit their little toe on the corner of a dresser. Stumbling through the darkness is painful. Stumbling through the darkness, it doesn't get us to where we need to go because we can't see. And Jesus acknowledges and he realizes here that, look, without the light, without Jesus, we are just stumbling through the darkness. But if we follow him, we don't need to stumble through the darkness anymore. Now, when we look at this passage, it, it, in, in most Bibles, there's a new heading and it says in chapter 8, Jesus is the light of the world. And so we typically begin there. But who is Jesus saying this to? And I think it's significant that we understand the context in which he is speaking this statement and, and, and when he is revealing himself to the people around him. Why is he choosing this moment? Well, if you have your Bibles, you know that in chapter 8, in front of it is an, another section, and it's this, a woman caught in adultery. And the story is of a woman who is caught in adultery. Now, we don't know anything about this woman. We don't know the situation. It doesn't give us the details, except that she was 
caught in the act of adultery. So we know that she was being promiscuous at that time. We don't know, again, the situations, but maybe she was looking for love, maybe a relationship. Maybe this has been something that's been going on for a long time. But what we do know is that when somebody, including us, when we are in our sin and we're stumbling through the darkness, we like to hide, right? We don't do our things out where everyone can see it, out in the light. Sin, when we engage in it, we hide. We don't want anyone to know. If you read your Bible, you know early on the first people, in Adam and Eve, in the book of Genesis, when they sinned, when they disobeyed God, what was the first thing that they did? They hid. They hid. There's this innate thing in us as human beings that when we know we aren't doing something right, when we aren't living the way we ought to, when, when sin enters our lives, when, when, we, when we act in a way that, that is, is uh, displeasing to God or that we just know is not honoring to him or the people around us, we hide. If we have kids, we know this, right? What happens the second one of your kids takes something or steals or lies or does something? You can't find them. They're, they're hiding, right? They're, they're hiding things. When, when things are taken, they're hidden. Even dogs do this, right? When a dog does something that they're not supposed to do, they hide behind the couch or under a table or they kind of cower. There seems to be something that we don't want the thing that we are doing to be revealed and there's darkness that begins to close in. And so in this darkness, it's like we pull the shades, we pull the blinds closed. Look at this passage in, in John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20. John 3, 19 and 20, where, where he's uh, addressing here the darkness. The light came from heaven into the world but they loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. They hate the light because they want to sin in the darkness. They stay away from the light for fear their sins will be exposed and they will be punished. What Jesus is saying here, what the scripture is telling us here is that when, when we do things that, that we know are, again, are displeasing to God or others or aren't right, we want to hide and we begin to pull into this darkness, but then we kind of sometimes want to stay there. It's like if you've ever gone into a dark movie theater and you walk in and it seems so dark, but after a while your eyes kind of adjust, right? And all of a sudden it doesn't quite seem so dark and in some ways it's kind of cozy. In some ways it's kind of comforting. In some ways it's kind of normal and, and some of us have been in some dark places so long we start thinking this is normal. We think this is just the way it is. This is just the way my life is. This is just how I am. And we almost seem to draw some comfort from that or at least saying this is the way life is. And we begin to shut out the things that let light in because somehow we don't want light to come. We don't want light to expose us. And like this woman caught in adultery and like us when we're doing the things that, that we know aren't honoring to God, we want to pull the blinds closed. We want to shut out the light. I don't know what it is about hotel rooms, but they seem to be the places that are the darkest places when you pull those blinds closed. You know those curtains, those heavy curtains that they have, those light blocking curtains? Because a lot of the hotel rooms have one window, right? And then you pull those blinds closed and it is like blackness in there. It is so dark, you get disoriented. And, and, and in that darkness sometimes, it's a nice place to stay. It's a nice place to sleep, right? If you don't set your alarm in the morning, you have no clue without the light where you are. You get disoriented and it's dark. And next thing you know, it's like, you know, one in the afternoon and you're waking up because you had no clue what time it is because of the light. But we shut out the light. And what, what, what the deal is here is the darkness, right? It, there's, darkness can't be manufactured. Darkness can only exist when light is blocked out, right? Have you ever gone to the store and tried to buy some darkness? You can buy light, right? You can go to a lighting store, you can buy flashlights, you can buy lamps, but you can't buy darkness, 
Darkness can only exist when we shut out the light. And sometimes it's circumstances in our life that block out the light. Something someone did to you. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you're struggling in, you know, financially. Something, a situation that just, you know, rocked you health-wise. And the light seems to be dimming. But other times it's by our own choice. It's the things that we do and we start feeling that, that darkness. And then what we want to do, we just want to block everyone out. We want to hide. And like the scripture said, is they, we want to stay in the darkness for fear that our sins will be exposed. And sometimes we don't want to come into the light because we have this question, or what are people going to think of me? What's somebody going to say? And so we naturally, we want to hide. Man, if people only knew that I'm addicted to prescription drugs, I could hide it, nobody needs to know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not really addicted, I mean, but you know. If people only knew that I can't stop watching porn, I mean, People only knew that. I mean, I'm not really addicted. I mean, it's just I mean, it's something I can stop. People only knew how much I drink, not just because it's socially or whatever, because I'm trying to self-medicate. I mean, if people only knew that I'm struggling in our marriage and we put on this smile and it's not really real. If people only knew that I was committing adultery right now, that I'm being unfaithful, if people only knew we want to hide and we want to pull the curtains closed. If people only knew, I can't, I can't continue to, to, to show this image, this facade of a lifestyle. I'm drowning in debt and I'm just, I can't keep up with it anymore. And so I got I to gotta keep this front in front of people. The darkness begins to eat away at us. And the reality is we don't want to be exposed. And so we stay in the darkness. And this is the trap that we find ourselves in. We want freedom, we want light, but somehow we don't want to be exposed and we don't know. And so in the dark, we're trying to fix ourselves, we're trying to clean ourselves up, but the reality is we just keep stumbling again, again and again, staying in that dark place. Here's kind of a tough reality. One day, each of us and our sins will be exposed. Wouldn't it be great right now if each of us had like a, a little thought bubble, bubble and, you know, it just listed all the sins that all of us had? That wouldn't be great, actually, would it? <laughs> it would be horrifying, right? It would be like, hey, hey look, look at your seat number, and we're going to put on the screen here what, uh, what you're dealing with. All right, random, can we get a seat number? Yeah, that would be horrible. Well, none of us want anyone to know the dark places and the things in our lives, but someday it will be exposed. It will come to light, whether we choose to do it or whether it's thrust upon us. And the irony and the illusion is so many people, you know, sometimes even when you watch the news and you see people getting away with crimes, right? Or sort of, you know, they're embezzling or they're doing things. At some point, it comes to light. Well, here in the story of the woman caught in the act of adultery, actually think about that. She was caught in the act of adultery, it says. So someone went behind closed doors and they said they caught her in that. And then what they did is once they caught her, so there was no dispute, there was no arguing, this was the sin that was there in her lives. And what they did is they drug her in front of Jesus who was gathering in a moment where he was teaching the people. Imagine this setting right here and there's some, some, some ushers, right, that come in going, look who we caught in the very act of adultery. I mean, imagine being that woman. I mean, imagine the shame. Imagine the, the, the guilt, the embarrassment, the horrific moment there. And they had every right to do it because their law said that if you, you know, are caught in the act of adultery, if you've committed adultery, you can be stoned to death. There's punishment there. And as the religious order would have it, believe this is, can you believe this is happening in a religious setting? We have to make this situation right. We have to make an example of her and rout out this evil because, because sin has to be punished. So they drag her out in front of Jesus, and now they're trying to trap Jesus in front of everyone. And they say this, did you know that the law of Moses says that she must be stoned? 
We're going to stone her to death. We're going to throw stones at her until she dies. And they knew this is kind of a trick because is Jesus going to deny the old law and say you shouldn't do it? Or is he going to say, yeah, stone her, and then he's actually condemning her in this way, which seemed to be out of character with Jesus. So they tried to trap him. And as they ask him this question, Jesus, what do you want us to do with her? He just pauses. And people are wondering, what's going on? And then he says this. He says, okay, stone her. Not what you think Jesus would say, right? Go ahead and stone her. And that may have caught some people by surprise. Why would he say stone her? But then he says these words. He said, but let you who are without sin throw the first stone. He didn't deny the law. He didn't deny that the sin needed punishment. But he said, let those of you who are without sin cast the first stone. And then the scripture says, one by one, those that came out to stone her dropped their stones, one by one, beginning with the oldest. What was the acknowledgement of all those that dropped their stones? We have sin. We have sin in our lives. There's, there, we, we may have this illusion that we're in this church here together and we're followers of Christ or we're trying to follow God and that, that sometimes we think everyone else has got it figured out and everyone else must not have any sin in their lives. I'm the only messed up one. I'm the only one that struggles. The reality is every single one of us has sin. I spent the whole day yesterday, Saturday at home. We had no activity, um, nothing planned outside the house. So from early morning till late at night, we were at home and we were home with our four kids and a long day in a house together with a lot of people. I sinned yesterday. <laughs> All right, as a parent, you understand what I'm talking about. We sin. We have thoughts that we have. We say things we don't want to say. We get frustrated. I mean, even in the small things in life and big things, we all sin. And we have things in our life that we don't want anyone else to see. And so here this woman is being dragged out and it is being exposed in the light of day, right? I mean, her sin is being thrown out in the open for all to see. Now, how is Jesus going to deal with this person and deal with this sin? And we already see this wonderful act that he begins to challenge each of us to say, whoa, 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 before we're so quick to condemn and before we you know, have this fear of coming out into the, into the light for people to see who we are, if you're without sin, you drop the first stone. In some ways, all those people were admitting there's sin all around us. And they dropped, they dropped those stones. And then Jesus looks around to them and he says, he says to the woman, he says, where are your accusers? And she says, I don't see any. He says, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. You see, what he was saying is, look, other people are so quick to judge, and maybe in the church we feel like we're going to be exposed, or, or religion is going to just make us into a, you know, give us a label or a letter. But Jesus is saying, look, I don't condemn you. I'm not going to put you in front of people and, and do that. Here's what it says in, in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, at the beginning of John, because here's how the light works of Jesus. It says, Jesus, the light, the true light, came. And here's what he says in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Life itself was in him, and this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And then verse 9. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was going to come into the world. So Jesus was saying this light is coming. Now, what does this difference does this make for this woman in this situation? Because now he says, look, I don't condemn you. I'm not here to, to, to cast stones at you or to tell you how bad you are. When we're bad and when we're doing things, do we need anyone to tell us that? 
Do we need anyone to just, you know, remind us how, how, how horrible our situation is and how challenging it is? No, we don't. Jesus says, I'm not going to condemn you. But then he says, go and sin no more. And now in our Bibles, that section ends. And many times we finish that story there. Go and sin no more. And it's like Jesus freed her, he forgave her, and then he sent her on her way. Go and sin no more. But if you read it in context and you realize the very next thing Jesus says to all the people around in, verse eight, in, in John 8, verse 12, then he said, after this whole thing happened, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not stumble through the darkness. You will have the light that leads to life. And what he's saying to this woman, I think to all the people around, to the religious leaders, and to the people saying, look, you, you're stumbling through the darkness. If this is how you think we need to handle these situations, follow the light. What he's saying to this woman caught in the act of adultery, he's saying, I'm not just going to tell you go and, and sin no more and figure it out on your own. He's saying, let me be that light. It's found in a person. Jesus is saying, I am the true light, not these false lights that you follow, but I am the true light. And if you follow me, you're not going to stumble because you've been stumbling over and over and over again. Stop stumbling. Come follow me and you're going to follow. This light is going to lead to life. The question and the challenge comes to each of us. Are we going to step out into the light? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And then we find this tension in us. Do we want to come out of that darkness? Do we want to step into the light? Because Jesus is calling us out of the darkness, saying step into the light. But we have this fear of exposure. We have this fear of what's going to happen. Maybe you're like this, or maybe you know somebody like this, that you maybe have something wrong with you physically, and maybe it's been dragging on for a long time, but you don't want to go to the doctor. And the reason you don't want to go to the doctor is because, well, the doctor might actually tell you what's wrong with you, and the doctor might actually prescribe surgery that could help you. Does that make sense? <laughs> Why you don't want to go to the doctor? But sometimes we feel like that. We don't want to, we don't want to come to the place where, where we can find hope and healing for fear of what's going to be there. And if you felt like the doctor was going to reprimand you and accuse you for the way you've lived or what you've done or what got you in that situation, maybe that's justified. But when Jesus is calling us out, as he showed us with this woman, is there's not condemnation there. There's only love. There's only forgiveness there. And he's calling out and he's saying, come and find healing. Find hope. Find light. The reality is all of us have something in our life, whether it's in the past, maybe even currently, that, that we're not proud of. Maybe that we're ashamed of. And maybe even currently, there's something right now that maybe everything else looks good, but there's a place that you don't want anyone in. You don't want to let any light in, and you're drawing, that, you're drawing those blinds tightly closed. God's light wants to shine into that. And there's freedom in the light, and there's hope in the light. And, and what you need to do is you need to have the courage to reach, to push through that darkness and to say, I know the darkness is maybe warm in a way that I'm comfortable in, but there is a light outside of this. There's life that's found outside of this. Do I have the courage to reach and to pull and to say, I need you, God. I need your light and to watch that darkness dispel. And then Jesus isn't just saying, I'm going to shine a light for you. He's saying, I am the light. Come to me. Follow me, and you're not going to stumble. Be in this relationship with me, and I'm going to guide you the steps that you need to take out of your darkness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the ways that you have chosen to reveal yourself to us. That you 
are the light of the world. You are the light of our world. And you are the light that leads to life. God, we need life. 